0: I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40,
1: a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. <laughs>
2: for Type 40, your Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hadley, Birmingham's king of the geeks and your designated driver. Now, it could be you're completely new to the show. Nice to have you, Mind the Gap and all that. But it's just as likely that you've been aboard before. Well, whichever, you'll be safe in the knowledge that this is the free-speaking, big-thinking show for everyone whatever decade or century you started watching reading or listening along to the adventures of our hero Doctor Who we chat about it all on the show all views are encouraged and there could even be a few laughs along the way so come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on type 40 okay so here we are again for another type 40 And yeah, great to have you here too. We are streaming this edition of the show, flexing the format a little, streaming it over to YouTube and to Facebook, and uh, getting stuck in really with a bit of everything, but it's all geared around one Doctor Who figure in particular more about him in a few minutes. Joining me are two people. I I think they've got warm mugs full of something to the side of them as we get stuck into reviewing a piece of classic Doctor Who and chew over some news. So yeah, where are they? Who is it first? First of all, yes, it's uh, the screenwriter, filmmaker and director. it is. Hello. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. Welcome back yep. to Type 40. Yeah. Well, here we are, because this is the strand of the show. I suppose you could say it's the bread and butter of most Doctor Who podcasts, and yet we don't really do a great deal of it here at Type 40. So we only put out reviews now and again, really. And it tends to have been for either the ongoing series or for key episodes. But I thought, since the show's are we're a few years in now, let's push it out there and get some of our, our opinions out about more Doctor Who and just see what between us what common ground that we can find or what we can un- uncover because new Doctor Who itself has been going for so long now Ian it's kind of built up a body of its own new classics hasn't it as well as stories that the people have got lots of preconceived ideas about that might want revising
3: are you talking you're obviously talking about um new who as they call it yeah it's become old who now isn't it or yeah. New Oh Who. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love this era. The majority of the episodes are very enjoyable. They've, they've got some stinkers in there, obviously. Everyone Nothing's does. perfect,
2: is so. it? Nothing's
4: yeah, perfect. exactly.
2: And as well as Ian, we are, are joined by somebody else too. Now, she's making her uh, chronological debut on the Type 40 podcast this time. yeah, you know, the nature of Doctor Who being a little bit timey-wimey. Deployed to check up on the pair of us, watch our facts and our figures from the department of wendology it's their i suppose you could call her their operations director she's cool she's calm and she's efficient, and she's efficient it's wendy hi wendy
0: <laughs> that's quite an interaction dan thank you
2: <laughs> we never skimp on the intros
0: <laughs> pleasure to be here
2: the thing is i mean what i've just been explaining saying to ian about it's that whole sort of classic and new series divide there was one for a few years as the general public sort of play catch up with all the dedicated fans. It, it sort of vanished after a while, but I think it's sort of come back again, you know, for reasons which perhaps it's to talk about another day. But mm-hmm. the whole Doctor Who landscape, so sort of the depth of the mythology, there's a Doctor Who and a time in its history for sort of any mood that you can possibly be in, isn't that?
0: I definitely would say that. The new Who era has been running long enough now where there is a little something... I suppose for everybody. It has definitely changed. It's definitely changed quite radically from uh, when Russell first brought it back. Uh, And as Ian said earlier, I think the the era of the episode that we're gonna be talking about tonight as well, it does have Mm. a lot to offer. And even though there's always gonna be some criticisms, there's always gonna be a few little things, you know, that, that crop up over time when you've had some time to sort of look back on things. But overall, it just feels like Doctor Who, you know. Because um, it is. And it, it, yeah, and I can't even put it into words. I, um, I'll mention, I'll talk about it a little bit further when you start talking about the episode. I have a couple of little things that struck me when I was watching it. <laughs> well.
2: Oh, we've got so much to talk about with this episode. Obviously, it's an hour of Doctor Who history from a from a very specific time. And the idea with these shows is that they are going to be. Uh, casual and chatty reviews i suppose so they need not necessarily be about these huge iconic stories in the series history or not from the outside anyway because i do believe that every episode of doctor who however insignificant it may be and it may be filler to one person in the average season but it could be somebody's very first doctor who story or just Mm -hmm. something that strikes a particular note with them and so i feel that there aren't really any episodes of Doctor Who that it's not worth giving the same sort of platform to either explore or to or to pick away at a little bit. I think part of the fun is in doing that. And people, I think there are some people out there that think that you can dissect these things too much and that it is uh, mean-spirited to do so because obviously some of these things, they were made 20, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, mm. and they had no idea that we'd still be watching and talking about them all these years on. I think if you have a dash of Generosity as well as the sarcasm that you can bring in when you're talking about any vintage TV. I know mm. this doesn't class as vintage TV, but maybe it does. Because yeah, nothing, it is now. Starting to. <laughs> nothing ages, nothing ages more than science fiction, does it? Mm. Somehow. Especially yeah. at the moment. Yeah. 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 And of all the times for us to be talking about this, too, you'd think we'd have planned this, but we actually did. This episode has been on our calendar to talk about for a few weeks now and it just so happens that it's time to coincide with a crazy week in Doctor Who history. I mean I always call yeah mid-January to mid-late February I always associate this with a sort of silly season when it comes to uh, to Doctor Who <laughs> but all the rumours that they, they tend to spring up and some of them have weight to them have body to them and some don't. We'll find out in due course about these but everybody out there who's listening and watching along along because we are recording this, we're live recording this at the moment onto YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform, and our own social media presence over on Facebook. So it's good to see everybody watching over there. And we'll be stepping over into those cloister rooms too to look at your comments about the episodes, your memories, your favorite bits, your not-so-favourite bits. So keep them coming. A little bit like a book club, but in video form we're all too aware too that uh, when when we talk about these stories none of the things that we say are going to qualify as the first word on any of this and we're not attempting to have a last word on them either they're just the latest word on these huge parts of doctor who history that we can share with you we can connect with you find common ground with uh, fellow fans and traveling companions that's all that's all coming up first of all the news what well, can we call it news it's not news it can't be news until it's actually confirmed can <laughs> ian but when something well, news when it's something news. like this yeah you know, breaks into the mainstream and it is all over the media then you know it's news when people are talking about it I think so yeah of course four nearly five months ago now we got the actual news that Russell T Davies was returning to Doctor Who as the showrunner the showrunner the head writer and this excited practically everybody there are very very few people that weren't even if the russell t davis era weren't wasn't their favorite when it was actually on originally from 2005 They weren't interested in this and full of the possibilities for the series going forward because of where we are now, I suppose, and simply because of where Russell is now, a decade and a half on. The Doctor Who universe being such as it is, obviously the conversation has never really stopped. And even though there's been an entire season's worth of Doctor Who itself broadcast in that short time in between, this I think is what the bulk of the fan base has continued to speculate about and to talk about but now in the last week or so fresh rumors have emerged about another key doctor who figure from the from the 2000s mr david tennant Mm. the 50 year old Scots actor who i think charmed the nation maybe even the world as the 10th doctor between 2005 and 2010 there are often outlandish rumors circulating about doctor who I thought this one would have died down by now. Mm. (laughs) I've no idea how he's taking it all because I get the impression that uh, even though David Tennant himself isn't on social media, his wife Georgia, she very much is. I've seen some sort of sarcastic tweets and things (laughs) from her. But the general story as broken, well, it's been reported by the Mirror. The Daily Mirror have got a pretty good track track record with Doctor Who, but it was reported by the Mirror. We traced it back to them from the Sun, because they're sort of loud hailing that. But it turns out the Sun have picked it up from the Plymouth Herald. So this is the article the Plymouth Herald are running. And it just says that according to rumours, David Tennant, who played the Tenth Doctor, has been cast as the next Doctor. So it says that the circulating rumours are that uh, the Scottish actor is effectively going to be playing two incarnations of the Time Lord and it says that tip-off was spotted on a Facebook fan page in which a user suggested a credible BBC source has leaked the information. From this tiny acorn, Ian, all this has rolled on into the media, the mainstream media, and yet it turns out it's all actually just come from, from a Facebook group. So I suppose the simplest question is, could there be any truth to it? What do you think?
3: I don't think there's any truth to it personally. I'd be pretty surprised if it was true. The only thing I can think of is that they've asked him to actually appear in maybe the um, 60th and a couple of episodes going forward, just to actually bridge the gap between who's new and 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 the old. Maybe because because obviously um, Russell T's friends with with uh, with David, so I don't think he's going to come back and do a whole season of Doctor Who as the Doctor because that would be crazy, right? <laughs> would it be crazy? Then again. Right? um the curator, the curator says that you know you'll be seen seeing some old faces, so maybe he means David Tennant.
1: <laughs> who
3: knows <laughs> Who knows, right?
2: <laughs> David Tennant's star has continued to rise in the time that he's been away from the show, hasn't it, Wendy? So this guy's not short of work is what I'm saying. Even yeah. so, he's an old school doctor who finally grew up watching the show, didn't he? So what do you think about this? What are your thoughts? Do you think there's a chance that David Tennant could come back to Dr. Who?
0: there's always a chance i think there's always going to be a chance there especially as you said because he's friends with russell he's got an amazing track record with doctor who needless to say he's so loved and he as you said he's a doctor who fan you know so he gets he gets it i'm a little bit cynical these days about believing too much from the rumor mill but i think the reason that it's taken off so much and and so profoundly is because people people love David and they love his doctor. Um and I wanna get excited. I really, really do. But I would I think it would work. I think it as Ian said, I think it would be a good bridge I think to have David back in the spotlight. Not so much for an entire season of a 14th Doctor because he he's the tenth doctor. You know, that's who he is and that's who we will remember him as. And I I don't know that I would want to have to sort of get used to a completely new doctor with him. But what he might come back is, you know, a particular uh, flashback or something like that, perhaps. Who knows? But I think the chances are high. We might see him certainly in the 60th and perhaps jumping in here and there to um,
2: get us over this because he has spoken about this, hasn't he, Wendy? I think about a year ago, you know, he was speculating a little about the fact that he was aware that a 60th anniversary is only a couple of years away and there is a precedent, he has been involved before. So it was fairly likely that if there was going to be a party, there was no way that he wasn't gonna turn up, that he won't be there. But (laughs) an anniversary special of one and done compared to actually making a full comeback it's a drastically different proposition isn't it Mm.
0: if if it's going to happen that would be where my money would be at the moment with that it would just be a a transitional role and then we would get a brand new actor when the 14th doctor series actually starts
2: Yeah. (laughs) Do you think that stories like this breaking through are an Mm. inevitable sort of consequence of what I'm terming silly season? Where there isn't any actual news, so people kind of make it up or run with even the tiniest ball that they are passed. Don't put it past the people that are actually
3: in charge of Doctor Who to put out rumours out there so they can make you go in another direction. Because if you just look at the um, example of uh, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home... They literally had the act to say no they're not in it and surprise surprise they were in it. <laughs> so true. so they yeah so they, they throw things out there so I wouldn't put it past or is it bad wolf who's in charge yeah. of Doctor Who now to put out some crappy rumors so they can take the scent off what they're really doing.
1: Mm.
0: I, I think that's also highly possible Ian. yeah I did think that as well. It, it, it feels like a little bit of a sort of PR stunt yeah, if you will, which you know if things are done, those things are done, you yeah. know. Quite, quite. You they, know, want, commonly, they want, they so. want,
3: they want people to come back to Doctor Who, and it's the oldest trick in the book to actually put something out there that's not true, so people can be riled
0: up about it. Therefore, yeah, it's staying alive. That's 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 their job. That's actually why, at first, I was a little bit like, mm, should I even really pay attention to this? To be honest, because we've mm. had so many false starts and so many rumors, and this actor and that actor. But David is different, obviously, because, as you said earlier, Dan, David's got a love of, of the show, and he's a very strong, obvious connection to the show. But, yeah, it's very hard at the moment. I'm of the mind that I really don't want to be let down anymore. We've yeah, had yeah. enough of that. I want to be excited, and I will, you know, if and when the time comes. But uh, But, yeah, I'm just sort of watching and waiting at the moment.
2: Just because there's no precedent for this, that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't happen. In my view, you know, and I was there in the late 80s. I don't so think I. I've ever seen the Doctor Who brand in more trouble than it presently is. And if they were midway through a decade and some way away from an anniversary <coughs> where they'd got room to sort of repair some damage in the short term and build up to something like an anniversary, that they'd have the luxury of time to build up to something which they know something like an anniversary is a guaranteed moneymaker. But they haven't got that this time. Something needs to be done pretty quickly, and something needs to be done that really is quite drastic. And if you'd have asked me six months ago, do you think Russell T Davis would ever have come back to this show? I'd have probably had exactly the same reaction as I'm having to the, the David Tennant rumours. So, whilst I can't take seriously, you know, I'm the admin of a Facebook group and I, I love it, but I can't take seriously the idea that this is just something that's been picked up off another Facebook group that's mm. making its way through the media because. This is the nature of of fandom. There's never a time where one or the other of us isn't talking about some pretty outlandish stuff. Yeah,
3: I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who, but I do find it um, puzzling.
2: As regards David Tennant, would the fandom welcome him back with open arms, whether it was for one, two, three nights or three seasons? I think they probably would just like tom baker he's one of the very few people actually i think matt smith would be welcome back too so it's not as if i think the audience wouldn't want this and i think that the fandom is quite would be quite happy in to sand down the corners that don't quite fit with any of this because this is science fiction and fantasy it can be what we want it to be as long as the stories that are told week to week to week to week make a sort of sense and and hit us where we need them to hit us then I think we're engaged and we're compelled. But having said mm. that, the preferred option is for Doctor Who to move
3: um, forward. Let's face it, right, the, the New Who, right, was something new. It actually created its own kind of logic and sense and stuff like that, just like Classic Who, which Classic Who is a world of its own compared to New Who. And I love that about New Who and love that about Classic. But what what precede, what, what, what happened after New Who um just just didn't do what classical knew who did so and that's why the whole of doctor who fandom um is you know split apart and people are worried about the next reiteration of the doctor do, do you know what i mean and, it, and it's not it's exactly not good times I mean. it's not good times is it do you know i just hope the
1: doctor, the doctor will
2: recover that's why literally anything could happen right now mm. Absolutely nothing could happen. So basically what we're saying is we haven't got the faintest idea what's going on either. Nope. <laughs> but nope. you can be sure that uh whenever, wherever, however the story breaks, type forty will be on it. And we'll be letting you know our thoughts as soon as we can, directly after that too. But in the meantime, if you'd like to do some real time travelling of your own, each and every edition of our show past present and future it's just a tap or two away if you know where to look on the device of your choice dozens of great conversations reviews previews interviews geek outs and deep dives with all our regular panelists we know there's something for every fan at type 40.podbean.com there'll be more about that a little bit later on as well as a couple of minutes where we will make contact with the matrix of all knowledge that we call the fandom podcast network for a few words about all the other cult conversations going on on all the other shows over there so exciting a jam-packed type 44 year this time mm-hmm. ah okay that's that taken care of we have got to set the controls now for everybody for christmas day really Christmas Day 2005 never mind last Christmas we're going back to yeah the, the very very first Christmas on this edition of type 40 so hold tight okay yeah, here we are doctor who was uh, suddenly absolutely and delightfully back in the in the hearts of the british viewing public after a breathtaking smash hit 13 13 week success story in the spring and summer of 2005 wasn't it a heady time for all of us and um, a special time because it felt i think it felt like a moment in time but the crucial point was that it made household names not just of of characters like rose tyler and mickey smith and captain jack but once again something that the doctor who fanbase never felt we would get again was that absolutely everybody of any age seemed to know what the tardis was knew what the daleks said Mm -hmm. and understood the heart of this old decades old show at that point but there was just One problem everybody, (laughs) Doctor Who himself, he'd only gone and and quit, he'd gone and packed it all in within a couple of days of the show hitting really, really big. And although the success of new Doctor Who, I think before it came back, was far from uh, a certainty, Russell T Davies, Julie Gardner, and everybody that was working on the show back then in 2005. They had a a contingency plan because as I understand it, you know, Christopher Eccleston, it wasn't a cut and dry thing. They were backwards and forwards on this about whether he was going to stay, whether he was going to go. But they did have their man, David Tennant. I think he was in the press within about three to four days of the news about Christopher Eccleston breaking as being the guy who was going to take the keys of the TARDIS. Now, at that point... It's not that he hadn't been on television far from it he'd done a lot of tv in in bit parts in character parts and he'd led a couple of shows things like taking over the asylum for example and he'd been a guest star on randall hopkirk deceased the remake of that in the early noughties and he'd only recently been the lead of russell t davies casanova show but that had been quite a it had been a fringe show it had been of a minority interest i think it may have even been shown on bbc four you know it was it was, quite was it artsy for? and a little mm. bit odd yeah I probably was two. It could have mm. been two yeah david tennant wasn't a household name despite the fact that he led a couple of shows and you know i've always wondered really how famous chris eccleston was when he took the role but i think because he'd done so much people knew that they knew him from somewhere but with David Tennant there was more of a chance that people wouldn't have seen him at all and wouldn't have any any connection to it was he a brave choice do you think Wendy or the fact that he was you know young good looking full of energy was he the obvious choice I think I don't know
0: what other options they looked at at the time but David um just has one of those personalities that he just lights up a room when he comes in and and have you'd watched him in Casanova my husband actually called it and he said he said i think that's the new doctor who Mm -hmm. because not because of anything that he'd heard but because he watched him he watched his mannerisms and his and the way that he held himself and his and his sense of fun um and effervescence he does he just had all those qualities right out the gate so he certainly would have been, you know, at the top of my list. and I think I think that at the moment, that's a big factor, you know is is having someone to front the new series that is has that kind of magnetism, and ability to to just um, capture your attention, you know uh, and and sell this sell this character to you in a way that, you just instantly go, Oh my God, that's the doctor.
2: Yeah, it's a, quite a common story. I was the same as as your husband. You know, I watched Casanova when that was on. I'd always watched everything Russell T. Davis had done. He's, he was one of my favourite writers before Doctor Who. He was certainly one of my favourite writers when he was on Doctor Who, and he continues to be one of my favourite writers to this day. And I had exactly the same. You know, it, it wasn't even a penny dropping. It was like a big sack full of gold coins from an old pirate movie being slammed down on the deck. What were your first instincts when you first saw David Tennant? Had you seen him in anything before, Ian? Or was this your first uh, sampling of him when his name started to appear in the papers? Had he ever made your radar before? I saw
3: Casanova. Um, didn't think much of it, to tell you the truth. So I think I saw one or two episodes, and that was enough for me. Um, I saw, uh, I saw, you know, the Second Coming. I saw, I can't, I can't remember. I saw a few of his things. I didn't, I don't, didn't think much of Russell T's writing at all. He seemed to not be able to end something. But that's just my opinion. You know, I'm sure everybody thinks he's a a good writer. And he is a good writer, um, because he's proven himself through Doctor Who and many other things that he's written. And I I just don't happen to like his style. But that's just me, right? Yeah. With David Tennant, when when he was first cast as the Doctor, I I thought neither here or there about David Tennant at all. He, He appeared. I thought, he's all right, you know, he's, he's a he's good looking chap. And um, they're trying to take it. Because it was obvious to me what they were trying to do is steer it towards the young ladies. That's what they were trying to do. Because they realized we were living in a different era now. You know, I mean, Tom Bacon get away with teeth and curly hair. You know, people were into crazy people in those days. But we, we have a different generation of, of kids. They're into, you know, pop and music. And, you know, I don't know whether they're into that, that moment in time, It was the, it was the 80s. Was it the 80s? It was the 80s, wasn't it? Oh, my God, that wrong. It was the 80s, right? <laughs> it was the 80s, wasn't it? <laughs> Somebody correct me. Or was it the 90s? Oh, no, correct me. Specific-
2: what, when are we talking about specifically?
3: When When Tenant came as the Doctor.
2: Oh, when Tenant was cast? It was yeah. in the noughties, 2005. 2005, right, 2005 yeah.
3: right, So we're talking about a different era of, of kids. So I reckon they deliberately, not only did uh, Russell T know uh, David, because obviously of his show, um, that th- th- I, I guess they thought, well, this is a good-looking guy; he'll attract a lot of lot of girls to the show, and he did, and he well, did. I
2: suppose, I suppose, I think... Ian, that the previous year, Wendy, they'd mm. successfully relaunched the show, and the the audience that they uh, that they wanted to attract, which the the entire family, they had successfully attracted them, hadn't they? So yeah. that's part of the that part of the viewing public, that demographic was already there, weren't they? So I suppose they knew that if young young women, teenage girls, had come to the show, that by giving them <laughs> a younger actor, you know, he's a, he's a bit, um, how would you describe him? He's certainly less northern. He's a bit ganglier and slightly cockier. That was never going to do the series any harm, was it?
0: Uh, no, certainly not. I think uh, I think it was a very smart, smart bit of casting and a very smart choice because, as Ian said, we're dealing every you know every decade. You, you've got a different, um, uh, a, a different vibe, a different a different audience, um, a different generation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so you do have to look at your demographic and you have to think, okay, how can I reach as many of these. Of this demographic, as possible, um, and still make um, a show that is that is you know reasonably faithful to to the original, and is going to keep those original fans uh, happy and excited about it, and interested in in purchasing the merchandise and you know and continuing their collections. And I think uh, it. I don't envy anybody. In that position to have to make a decision like that, and I think um, he looked at that, and and I think Tennant was the perfect choice at the time, uh, specifically because he, again, he he lifted the audience. I think, even and he he embodied that element of the Doctor, and and like when you watch Tom, Tom lifted you up when you were watching him. He he could be in any. Horribly dangerous situation and he would come in with his with humor he would come in with um, uh, With the resourcefulness and the cleverness and the cockiness really to come into a scene act like he he was in charge And actually change the whole dynamic of what was happening
2: um He was a dominant figure wasn't he even yeah even though he was completely and utterly sort of uh
0: he, he was I somebody said, like, that you he he wouldn't, wouldn't was follow.
2: He was non-threatening, Yeah, dominant at the same time. But
3: also yes. remember that they started off, um, as, as I keep maintaining, and Dan knows this, we've spoken about this before, the movie, Doctor Who, the movie with Paul McGann, as far as I was concerned, I thought that was a terrific movie, personally. Very entertaining. The way they dealt with the Doctor was great. They started they started this stuff before Russell T. They had the romance. They hinted at a romance when Chris Eccleston and, and Rose, which personally I found creepy because he was a lot older than Rose. <laughs> I, I found it a bit creepy, but that's just me, right? So they had to carry on this kind of style to go through with David Tennant. And I think that's one of the reasons, maybe one of the reasons why they cast David Tennant, because of the romance between Rose and the Doctor. They needed someone good looking, they needed someone so that the young girls will understand the dynamics between them both. They needed to carry on that because it, that set the president was set with, with, with Chris Eccleston. Because all of Eccleston. a sudden,
2: I suppose, Ian, that even though Chris Eccleston was, I think, around 43, 44, and, and Billy yeah. Piper was, I think, around 25. And she'd yeah. been married to a guy in real life, not that yes. much younger than Chris yes. Eccleston. Yeah. But I think, obviously, by, by reducing the age gap in fact, visibly yeah. on screen, because yeah. we did have that situation whereby there was certainly love between those two characters. Mm whether mm. it was romantic love or, or it just was, a deep friendship that they kept uh, it on the cusp they, they'd kept it on the cusp during series one though hadn't they in yeah, series two yeah, yeah in series two it was that just handled... began to change and i think yes. it starts to change specifically in this episode when you see how rose responds to the doctor all the all the way through it it's it's a, a repositioned
3: well, it's a, said a it helps that he's good character. looking, right? It helps that he's good looking. You know, I mean, when he when he holds his hand out at the end and so that Rosa Rose, Rose smiles and takes his hand. I mean, you know, it just goes to show how vain we all are. Basically, <laughs> this <laughs> alien comes out. He hasn't got six eyes or anything like that. Bug eyes and big teeth. He looks like David Tennant. Of course, you're gonna be. Of course, you're gonna <laughs> be on his side. You know but of course, in so. the
2: traditional uh, Doctor Who. In, tr- in a traditional doctor who sense that within a couple of minutes of, of him being on screen he goes from being sort of wide-eyed and energetic to being flat on his back on the cobbles of the powell estate as the story starts to kick off mm. and uh, yeah this is the christmas invasion first broadcast on the 25th of december that's christmas day 2005 on bbc one and uh, mm. this uh, obviously this episode is one of the most watched episodes of doctor who Ever. and I think I don't really meet people who don't like this but just in case it's been a while since you've seen it here's the plot everybody the TARDIS crash lands in London with the regenerated doctor aboard and still recuperating as robotic Santas and lethal Christmas trees go on the attack an alien spaceship arrives over London. The Sycorax plan to enslave humankind but they've reckoned without the doctor. Even if he still, even if he's still in his pajamas, imagine, just Half imagine. <laughs> ah, yeah. This is written by Russell T. Davis and directed by James Hawes. It stars Billy Piper as Rose Tyler, the returning star. Series one of Doctor Who with David Tennant as the Doctor. His first full appearance, certainly mm-hmm. as filmed, as the Doctor. Now, uh, Billy Piper. She'd been a, you know, I think she'd probably been a household name for a few years. First as a pop star, then as a sort of, then as a tabloid uh, sensation by marrying the, the uh, disc jockey and personality Chris Evans. Chris Evans! And then, and then as an actress. Billy Piper was one of the best known faces in Britain. And it was very difficult to know what she was going to do next. A lot of people were really surprised by her appearance in Doctor Who, her association with this brand, and even more, was was surprised that she was absolutely brilliant in the role of Rose Tyler. So just to refresh your memories about this character and the energy that Billy brought to the path is a quick look at something. This was this was rolled out on Canadian TV. It premiered on CBC, who at that time they were a co uh, yeah they were a co-producer of Doctor Who with the BBC back in 2005. And little promo bits like this were quite com- quite commonplace on their schedules when it came to uh, talking about shows like Doctor Who that were co-productions. So check it out if you haven't seen this or before.
3: Piper, and I play Rose Tyler in Doctor Who. I'd like to wish you all a very happy holiday and welcome you to our first Christmas special on CPC Television.
1: We're busy filming the second series of Doctor Who here in the UK and tonight you'll get a sneak preview of what's in store for Season 2. Now, if
3: you recall the final episode of Season 1, something quite amazing happened to the Doctor.
2: Before I go, I just want to tell you, you were fantastic.
1: his name is david
3: tennant hello and tonight he makes his first appearance starring as the time
1: so i hope you're not getting too comfortable for the holidays because our planet is about to fall under the shadow of the alien Sycorax. rose needs the doctor's help
4: but can she trust a man with a new face here's doctor who and the christmas invasion on cbc television
2: So you could say, I suppose, that uh, Rose Tyler and Billy Piper, they were obviously the, the biggest holdover from the show, a character that people had really latched onto, and uh, she is, I suppose, given the task of leading this special, really, for the first half an hour, but there is an extended cast made out, up of returning names like Camille Coduri as Jackie Tyler, Noel Clark as Mickey Smith, Penelope Wilton as Harriet Jones, along with uh, people like Adam Garcia. Who plays Alex? There's Daniel Evans as Danny Llewellyn. Sean Gilder from Shameless is brilliant as the Sycarax leader. And Anita Brian plays Sally. There's lots of other people dotted around through this in really what would be considered quite small parts, Ian. But mm. they give them, I think by giving characters like Sally first names and making us care about them, people who are on the sort of ground level with this, that's the skill I believe that um, Russell T. Davis brings to his scripts by making us care about little characters like that as well as the plight of the doctor you know this classic hero who's flat on his back pumping out all of this artron energy that's attract attracting aliens to come and sort of try and feast on him so it starts it starts in a very kind of uh, i suppose you could say in a charged way because although we know the doctor's going to be all right rose doesn't does she
3: no she doesn't yeah. and um Personally, oh, no. I, 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 I thought that it was a bad move to actually put him on his back for half the episode. I was a bit disappointed when I first saw it. Um, you
2: see why they did it,
3: though? I, I don't care. They should never have done it, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, personally, I don't care. I, 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 look, you know what, right? Okay. I'm always straight. I'm always I'm a straight You're shooter. You are straight it comes with to, this uh, stuff. Yeah, so, so basically, yeah, I mean, you say all this stuff, right? But I don't care about Sally. You know, she was just someone behind the desk. That there, Harriet Jones said, <laughs> "What's your name, Sally?" You know, so what? Do you know what I mean? I like this episode, though. I, I like, I liked it a lot. I, uh, I, obviously, um, uh, Rose Tyler's mum is really funny, and she's funny in this, and she's a really good actress. And it was nice to see her back. It was nice to see um, Billy back and Mickey back. Um, but as I said, I think they should never have put him on his back for the first, I say. and I That's think this was time, the, the first, yeah, I think this was the first okay. episode to make the doctor sort of like go, oh, hello, oh, shut up, I'm talking, whatever, that kind of thing. I don't believe Tom Baker used to do that, nor Peter Davison, whatever. It was, It, it for me, it just, for me, I was like, what? You know, if I was the alien, I would have chopped his head off by now. I wouldn't stand there and listen he's, to him rabbit on. Do you know what I mean? He's
2: very verbose, isn't he, Wendy? Very energetic. And it is a massive, it's a massive handbrake turn from Christopher Eccleston, exactly. what he was doing just, just a few months before for viewers. It was definitely
0: different, that's for sure. Um, but I, I I see where you're coming from, Ian, in terms of, um, I think it was a very bold move to have him more or less incapacitated for most of the episode. Uh, with you know the occasional scenes where you know he's awake and then he collapses again, but um, but I think his how he deals with the Sycorax reminds me a little bit of like again of, of Tom Baker. Let's say you know uh, bursting into a scene, going you know I'm thinking of it, it's making me think of City of Death. You know where he he's he's take they they're taken into the drawing room of. Of Scaroth, you know, and he sort of comes in. He goes, "Oh, what a wonderful butler! He's so violent, and he's he's changing the subject all the time. He's keeping them on off off on edge, off guard, and that's kind of what Tennant no, does, you know, that's, in, that's... in this where he comes out and he's like, he, you know,
3: he." But that's completely different. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he's uh, <laughs> David Tennant is talking to an alien who's meant to be a violent from a violent race and he's walking around in his pajamas and the guy's got a big sword and he's letting he's letting David Tennant talk, talk to his minions or whatever that to me this is the start of it's a this little kind bit of thing stretch maybe adulthood. but I think yeah. it's a huge stretch and yeah. that was one of the problems I had with this episode I was like what do you know what I mean? You know, it's just, yeah. to, to me, right, I, I have a love-hate love, love hate thing with the Doctor, I, uh, Doctor Who. All of them, in fact, well, not not the classic, because I think classic got it kind of right. But, you know, John Pertwee never used to do that. John Pertwee recognises the danger and he deals with it. David Tennant's character and Matt Smith and what, what followed before but, him. Ian. They could walk into a room and talk rubbish and the the aliens would just stand there and listen to them. It made (laughs) no sense to me. But anyway, that's just me, right? But I think,
2: isn't it, though, the strength of the character, the weight... Of no, the it's not. If, not. if not the actor, the weight <laughs> of the character. No, because the aliens have weight too, don't they? You I'm know, not saying they don't. Evil, so what aliens in stand this story there? though? In this story, oh, I mean, we're okay. jumping yet again. We're jumping like right to the end of the story again. But you always bloody do this. <laughs> but yeah, so but in this in this particular story though, they've recognised, yeah. haven't they, that the TARDIS is alien technology. In fact, they think yes. the UNIT and Harriet Jones are trying to hide it from them. So they seize like. Technology and they they realise I don't if they don't realize it belongs to the doctor, they I think the Sycarax leader is aware that something has changed, and then mm. because of the body language and the way that everybody else is towards the doctor when he does appear, and the things that, the way that the doctor moves, you know, he's not remotely is. intimidated. Uh. But you look no, you look, it's in the script here it's in the script. <laughs> You're right. The, when when Rose comes out of the target, when Rose comes out of the target and tries to take command of the situation. They use the expression don't they you come up you come and speak to us with your with your stolen words and they mm. they know that she doesn't believe the things that she's saying but when the doctor enters the fray they believe that yeah, he but believes that doesn't everything what, that he's saying but the that doesn't that the
3: no it's not it that doesn't matter because if you have to act you you have to have, when you correct some create something you have to have a bit of weight of logic in there he goes and he opens the thing and he puts his finger in the blood and he, you know what I mean? like as, as if any alien with any strength, with any command. One of them
2: wouldn't have stopped would, him. <laughs>
3: would, yeah, one of them would have stopped him, right? And that, that this is the start of this kind of Doctor, this kind of logic in Doctor Who. I, I, I'm not sure I liked it, but I accepted it.
2: Do you know what I mean? I don't think uh, it is yeah. the start. I think Tom Baker's Doctor Wendy's right. I think Tom Baker would have played that scene very, very similarly no he, the, the idea no, he is played somebody, it differently the idea is not similarly similarly, no, similarly the, the idea is that somebody that he is kind of playing the fool and 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 being somebody who is neutral almost in the situation, as if he's a neutral observer who's just breezed into a situation into a stalemate between the earth between the humans and the sycorax and he's just breezed in through the middle of this of this Battlefield with all of this tension on both sides and just having a good look around, Oh, that's that, that's this, you want this, they want that. I was sure. They're scared, you're not. <laughs> they would shoot him. There's a lot of movies and TV shows. There's a lot of movies and TV shows that would I end think, in 10 minutes <laughs> flat if they did that. Wouldn't the window, window, window. I think I wow. think we have
0: to sort of accept the fairy tale side of it a little exactly. bit. It's like, it's that's, like, what I did. This, 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 that's exactly what you're meant to do. It's like, okay, we're telling you a, a fairy tale. We want you to have a good time. You know, it's not going to it's not going to be perfect and uh I, and i agree ian i completely agree uh, an a warrior race would have probably stabbed him or killed him with that uh, off. whip thing you know but i think what he what dan is also saying is that the thing we've always seen with the doctor is and the thing that makes the doctor so recognizable is that no matter what face he's wearing he can walk into a room and instantly get the attention of a sup- of a higher race of beings because they instantly de- can tell a he's not afraid of them b he probably knows who they are um and c he's he comes in a bit a bit um flamboyantly but then on a dime he'll turn and become very serious and really sort of laid on the line so i think i i hear what you're saying i think um technically speaking it, it didn't make sense in that regard that, you know, a warrior race would stand there and just in awe of him in that moment. Um, But I think it was part of the fairy tale. It was part of the story and it it was, you know, you're sort of asked to sort of just Accept that part and go with it, yeah, and, this is and what have I fun mean. with it. So,
3: so, so, so this is yeah. what I mean. But I'm, I'm, I'm. What you call it? I'm obviously pointing out the the flaw in in that kind of logic in writing. Absolutely. But yeah. I'm also pointing out how different new Who was to classic Who. It mm. had its own. It, as I said in the beginning, it has its own you think um, that was logic. The
2: speed of it, though, in the fact that New mm. Who was much pacier, They hadn't got yes, so much of course. Time to oh, absolutely. Course. I enough. had to of tell course. the
0: story in
3: one. Of course, because one you episode. have a different, you have a different audience. Gone are the days where you can have a six-parter with with, with Doctor yeah. Who, and you know, um, um, with with uh, with John Pertwee. Uh, what was that episode called? I can't remember. My brain's gone and shut down. The one where it had a mirror universe. What was that called? Down oh, Inferno. 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 Gone are the days when you can do something like that. People get bored within fifteen minutes and switch over. So that mm-hmm. so this Doctor, Doctor Who was for uh, the, the naughties. It was for the people of that time. They, they were getting into fast things, fast yeah. moving shows. So this is the reason why. And I, you know, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from it at all. But by mm-hmm. by all means, I love I love new Who, right? But as I said. I, I can see the thing. You that are don't looking, yeah.
0: sense. And, and, you know, and you are yeah. looking at it from a professional technical point of view. So, you are going to notice. You are going to notice those, those. Well, no, things, not really. I'm, I'm first and foremost. I'm looking at it as a fan. Yeah.
2: I know. Okay, I well, know. I here's how right. I feel about about this yeah. about this entire situation. Because I remember when this was screened. You know, my I was uh, obviously completely enthralled by this show. I was relieved that it had been. A, successful b bloody good and i was um captivated by oh. christopher eccleson's take on the character yeah and and i felt um vindicated by having faith in russell t davis in his voice and being right for this show and um, and and being attuned to what the british public would need from it but of course oh. removing removing the the weight of an actor like christopher eccleston who like i say he wasn't wasn't a household name but he had that 10 or 15 years on tenant uh, of life lived and of a career on predominantly on tv Mm. that he somehow he anchored the whole the whole thing even in a character you know eccleston's take on the character was a lot more distant than, than yeah. tenants i tell you but one thing removing, about um... by removing Sorry, chris oh. by removing chris from the equation ian and this is yeah. why i believe that the doctor the new doctor spends half of the episodes flat on his back by mm. removing eccleston from the equation everybody in the production the the writers they knew that they were removing a massive part of maybe not why people had started watching the show but a main reason why they'd been there 13 weeks later and so they put david tennant flat on his back they give us time they give us glimpses of who the new doctor is how he works how he speaks how he moves what his energy is and in between they build it around characters they know that we loved the first time so particularly rose tyler i think billy piper is excellent in this considering where she's just been with the character we've just seen it ian being uh, turned into this omnipotent being who's sort of been at one with the tardis and the time vortex and now she's the she's the shop girl who lives on the council estate that we all took to immediately and she flips it right away at noel clark he knows exactly what what his end of the deal is to to sort of to hold up so he brings those those comic touches that he's got and yet there's this kind of there's a sadness in the eyes to that character that i think mm. that uh, russell leans into that really really well and he's written a lot better in this i think than he was written in series one and most importantly i think you've got uh, jackie tyler who now obviously like Camille Cadori? At this point, she was well, also in her early forties. She she's she's the senior cast member, in effect, Wendy of the new setup. This this kind of uh, this cast of four, this gang of four. I feel I feel yeah. that it's got a sort of a gang vibe to it. And yeah. because David Tennant, okay, I think he was around. How old was he when he took when he played this part? Thirty, maybe thirty-two, at the oldest uh tom baker around the same time tom baker commented him on him as the young one Mm. and of course he wasn't the youngest actor to ever play the part even even at this point you know Davison i think was 28 29 when when he was cast but because he couldn't bring the kind of weight that eccleston had i think they, they knew that and you know so i feel that this readjusted dynamic it's kind of made the show the show itself not just the cast feel younger like this like these are the next generation of doctor who stars these are the comeback kids that have inherited the show from from christopher eccleston in particular
3: you know what i've noticed about british shows right compared to american shows especially in doctor who someone's <laughs> always handing someone a cup of tea <laughs> how many times did <laughs> jackie hand someone a cup of tea in this
1: episode <laughs> yeah,
2: when, when the doctor when the doctor gets yeah. up from his bed
3: he does, yeah. Extends
2: yeah. his sonic and destroys that Christmas tree that's already yeah. taken out poor Jackie's <laughs> coffee table and Mickey's chair. Isn't yeah. that an incredible moment though? Doesn't it make your didn't it give you goose pimples just when he props himself up in bed and no. then just kicks his hair back a little from the Christmas <laughs> look, tree? Like, not really, no, because it's so one... heroic it's
3: ridiculous. No, because one, right? Look, look, right? I'm look, I yeah. must make it clear, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, right? I know you are. But one thing i didn't like about this was the corny silliness in this episode a spinning christmas tree come on <laughs> come on
2: right well, a the, spinning uh, christmas, christmas tree elements, the christmas elements to this story but, the brass think- band of the christmas tree were added later i believe that this was, <laughs> was a version a version a version mm. of this story was that. always going to be the first story for the new doctor all ah, right gotcha. but the, Christ- mm-hmm. the the order for the Christmas special, the commission for the Christmas special, was actually put in quite late in the day. They got a commission for seasons two and three, and the Christmas special was ordered afterwards. So in the over a two or three month period, I think Russell T Davis had to readjust scripts, bring things forward and retool things. And so yep. the story, that the main story would have been the same, but the Christmas trappings, the Christmas dressings, were added afterwards. And they're, and they're more, they are kind of, this episode is dressed with... With Christmas, mm-hmm. rather than being sort of like a fool, yeah, yeah. Uh, Christmas being a major, yeah. major, you can tell that this is filmed in the summer, and it doesn't matter at all because the by the time goes all top top it. it goes yeah, up there with the bin, it goes up there with the bin. That's where I love the burping bin. The bin was funny. No, no. <laughs> it leads me. That was it leads rubbish, me to sorry. my favorite. <laughs> my favorite scene. My favorite scene in the entire thing was the <laughs> the, the one where they're out on the balcony. Oh, that was funny. That was a brilliant exchange. fish running back off to the stars, and and it's a beautiful comic moment. I mean, it's very, very full on. This exchange between the Doctor and Jackie Tyler. She's, what do you want? Do you want want a uh, a cup uh, of tea and a sandwich? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. It reminded me of the Agatha Christie episode later on in Tenet's run with uh, Donna. Uh, where where he, he has he gets yeah he gets he gets I think the arsenic or something and then he has to they're in the kitchen and he's he's trying to tell Donna yeah. what he needs and she keeps quizzing him and not listening to what he's saying mm. but yeah they these two I mean the whole ensemble were were dynamite they were so good together and I think that's what made this um, doubly fun and Do I think it's what made it work. Mickey. Do you well, feel sorry for Mickey? absolutely feel sorry for Mickey mm. and I don't know. Of anyone who would have been as patient as me. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: Another (laughs) bloke. It would be so easy, wouldn't it, uh, Wendy, for for the Mickey character to come across at this point, to come Mm. across as simply looking pathetic, hanging around after this girl. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. The script is so good, it's so sensitive that we never feel, we never pity Mickey, do we? Yeah, oh, I did. I did, yeah, I did. I do.
0: Definitely. I I, I, I felt quite didn't... bad for him. I, I so did I. I, I, respected I could see him for his
2: for his loyalty and his integrity. And I think the mm. character developed quite a lot by this point.
0: Absolutely. I... I think he was loyal and he was um he was incredibly loyal. Um but I also think that he he was a sympathetic figure because he he was he was seeing what was going on, but he was still hanging on uh, in the hopes that Rose was gonna come back to him. And then obviously much later on, you know, mm. his, his character is, um, you know, as they go through different adventures, you know, he starts to, to get a much more um, edgy view of the world and things like that. So he, but he's, he is a sympathetic character. And I think that's what actually endears him as well. Uh, because he's he is loyal, um, and so he's very likable in that regard. But you do think you do think, gosh, you know, I don't know of anyone who would have, you know, put up with what he did. But it's also a love story. It's also um, he truly loves Rose, um, and so he he's not willing to give up on her. So there, there's lots of different ways of sort of looking at that.
2: I think he wants Ooh. the best for her, doesn't he, Ian? I mean, we we we're not entirely I don't sure know. how long. <laughs> I think we're not entirely sure how long it's been since he's last seen her. And there's that scene where uh, I love that moment where the uh, where uh, Jackie and Mickey they both run out into the into the uh, the grounds of the of the uh, Powell Estate because they can both hear the TARDIS before it's even broken out of the vortex. It's as if nobody else can hear it but th- but them t- those two. That characters. was a wonderful
1: scene because how cause far really... was he
2: working from her? <laughs> Well, they, I think yeah, I know. He must have been pretty close. very, very. Well, if they've established in previous <laughs> episodes. That. that. They've established uh, in previous episodes that he only works uh, a couple of streets away. And, and wow, a couple me, of streets. Maybe, well, <laughs> it, it, it does make me wonder after this if because nobody else can hear the Tardis coming. There's not a gathering of people. Yeah, maybe. So what, yeah, what, yeah, maybe. what I wonder is it once you've once you've been in the Tardis and seen mm. the Tardis and heard mm-hmm. the Tardis, a long maybe travel. here the there. Yeah. Maybe you, you're always, you know. You can just hear like, it, just a rumbling, like a sixth
0: yeah. sense. Yeah. The thing is, in those scenes where um, Jackie hears the TARDIS and um, Mickey hears it, that's us. That's mm. the audience. That That's, yeah. who, that's the yeah, fans. Yeah. That's us. We hear that noise and we're out the door. It's running. really funny
3: how when you're watching the so show and you of see it? all these old-fashioned stuff, now you can say the old fashioned, like the uh, widescreen TV with the big back and, yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah, <laughs> the mobile phone yeah, and stuff like that. It's really crazy. It just goes to show how long ago this this episode yeah. aired and how long ago yeah. we all saw it. It's, mm-hmm. and when you think about it, it's madness, isn't it? Time has flown, flown.
2: And, uh, you know, just it's talking crazy. about us, I wanted to talk a little bit about the plot of this because um, around this time, obviously, Doctor Who had taken off, it had been really, really successful. But it had also become it had made its way into the press that Doctor Who, after series two, it was going to get a spin-off show called Torchwood. And uh, we do get the first we do get the first mentions of, of Torchwood. No, we okay. Do. Yeah, it was mentioned it was mentioned in the finale, come to think of it, in the parting of the you know, it was mm. mentioned in Bad Wolf, so it was mentioned in series one, but this is the first time that it's mentioned with any real context. I, I get the impression this is the first time that it's mentioned at a point where the writer knew where he was actually going to take it. But mm. we've, got, we've got mention of Torchwood and the Torchwood st- story starting, but what I noticed about this plot, too, is when I reflect back on the Torchwood series, how dark some of those plots were, particularly oh God, in, yeah. in Children of Earth. And I feel the plot to this story, the idea that on Christmas day, a time where we're all spending time with our with our loved ones, in the sanctity of our own homes, that an alien race, and this is where I feel the genius in this story is, that it's a big story that hits, uh, hits on a small scale in everybody's living rooms. The idea that a third of us, of our, our families can be effectively, uh, put in a trance and taken away before our very eyes, out of that safe sanctuary of our homes next to us on the sofa and into physical harm before our eyes on Christmas day. It's a, it's the kind of plot I think we got later on, to some extent we get them in later Doctor Who's, but it was Torchwood's stock trade. And it's that kind of nastier, darker side to Russell T Davies' writing and yet, He balances it out so well with with humour, but somehow it feels okay. And again, this was a I suppose you could say a calling card of classic Doctor Who too. Yeah. All I, can,
3: all I can say is if you've lived in a council flat even in, yeah. the, in the noughties you'll never be able to get to the roof that's all, I can, I, say. That's all that. I can
2: say i did wonder how did they get to the roof of those flats wendy <laughs> come come how did they manage to get past security <laughs> yeah. and get on the roof of the tower exactly. of london yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was it's a right, bit of a sort of story. you know Stop we won't think
0: too much about that yeah yeah, yeah
2: We'll right. just a sit back and
0: enjoy it, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously things like that, you know, that uh, are a little bit too convenient. But I think I it's a fairy third, tale. Third of the security yeah. staff
2: would also have been entranced, wouldn't
3: they? Yeah, probably, probably. If they had that, what is it? Was the blood type? I can't remember. It Was the blood type a but,
0: you
3: know, positive? A something, whatever it is. Yeah, positive, yeah, yeah. I
2: think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, only lot, watched
0: I think. it this afternoon, and my memory's gone already. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just an overall. It's just a great fun, and it and it does what I personally enjoy in a christmas story it just takes you on a fun adventure it mm. doesn't have to be shakespeare it doesn't have to sort of be yeah. um perfect it has to it has to work it has to be entertaining and it has to it have yeah which yeah which it definitely was yeah mm. but i i think um i think at the end of the day it's just it's a great big fairy tale and it's just something to Sit together with your family and enjoy. And I and I, I have to admit, when I watched it again today, we hadn't long watched it, maybe a couple of months ago. Um, mm. But when I watched it again today, uh, I actually got really, really um, tearful. You really, know, particularly when it yeah, I did, um, because every time I watch some of RTD's, some of Russell's Doctor Who, um, I start to cry because. I think what it is, it's like all of that um, emotion is there under the surface,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and how much I miss mm. looking forward to okay. to Doctor Who every week, mm-hmm. um, and how much we've always looked forward to the Christmas, and the, and it's a very, it obviously holds a very special place in our hearts because it's what brought myself and Darren together. So,
1: mm.
0: I when you know it's easy to forget because um, i think you know we 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 sort of try to be to just put you know move on with our lives we we yes. get um we get upset about things you know we we don't agree perhaps with with the direction things went but at the same mm. time we have to move on with our lives you know but at there the same
2: something time about this way some... that taps into that well of, yes it connects with us all on a human level and a well yes. of of joy and when it's when it's working and when russell t davies is working at his at the top of his game yeah. it can bring an almost euphoria punch yes. the air moments yes where yeah. where one can well up not necessarily in the sad part of a story no
0: no just just, just in the euphoria you know the in the sensation. joy of the story yeah also yeah,
2: knowing that we are completely in, in tune with what's happening on the screen it's speaking to us on a on mm-hmm. any any and every level the the part of a scene that just loves the the fairy tale or the classic hero or whether also, it's a, a, a gag that sort of really chimes with us or a character in the story that we really relate
3: we forget that they, they brought back UNIT in this episode as well, which was, you know, mm. And when I saw that door with UNIT, I was like, yeah. yes, UNIT's back! Talk about They've, a bunch wow. of They've
1: used yeah. in,
2: They'd used UNIT in series one, and they'd used them quite well considering, yeah. but here I think it's a little bit more refined, yeah. and we yes, have a, a central character of the Major. Again, there's a lot of these minor characters in this that the Major, he's really, really good. He's instantly convincing as a senior officer. And, mm. and of course we yeah he does he, he gets something very grisly happening to, to him yeah and it's again it's a typical russell t davis thing to do but i really like that character but the the um the new version of unit again it's just that little bit slicker but it still it feels is. domestic it still feels like doctor who and and that's what i love about this episode it feels like the smallest of blockbusters it is, it, is, it, it is Doctor Who, and that's the thing. It,
3: I mean, Russell T went out of his way to make Doctor Who, and he did it very successfully. Uh, as I said, right, there's always logic flaws in Doctor Who, even in classic, even in uh, a lot in New Who. I, I always found that somebody asked me once, well, you know, um, it, it, is there something that you don't like about New Who? And I keep saying this all the time doctor who needs to grow up it really does you know gone are the days when you're trying to attract kids these days you can't attract kids because kids are not watching stuff like this anymore in the 2000s maybe they were a bit but it was obvious that the audience for doctor who was always going to be people like us and even That's going a really into the future point, yeah. going into the future it's us it's not i mean you you'll, hmm. you'll, you'll have a few people it depends how successful this new one's going to be if whether it'll attract new a new crowd, but when David Tennant was around, it really was us. It really was us that we were excited about seeing. Well, them. talking I knew about new people joined as well, I guess. Yeah, Sorry. talking about okay.
2: Doctor Who's stock trading. Yeah, you know, you, you like your scares as well. What do you feel about the monsters in this? The Sycorax. Yeah. What do you, What are your <laughs> thoughts about them? About it? The, about the threat of them? About the look of them? About how they play, particularly particularly Sean Gilder, who plays the yeah. the leader of the Sycorax. Did did this chill you? What do you think of this? No,
3: because I was too. I was too. I was too. I was. I was a grown up while I was watching this. If I was a kid, I guess it would chill me. I like the costume. I think it really does work. I love the design of the mask on on the guy's face. He, he yeah. does look very frightening. He looks very evil. Scared um, the
2: life out of my kids when they were little. Yeah. Still.
3: What, what, what can you say i mean really well designed uh, costumes and stuff and also for its time the visual effects wasn't too bad either when you look at it now you think yeah it's a bit ropey because they were shooting on video and you know trying to make it look like film stripping off a field blah 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 you know um but you know looking looking at the costumes and stuff especially this this picture here that you've put up well, what a great costume i mean you know it belongs in doctor Who. It I, I me love of a
2: cross between the Sand People from Star Wars, Wendy, yeah. and the Klingons mm. from Star Trek. What do you think? Yeah. What do you, where yes. Do you, where do yes. you write
0: the Cigarex? I, I love this design. I I was sorry that we didn't see them again. Actually, I thought well, this was a good Blew them up. Yeah. Well, Harriet <laughs> Jones took care <laughs> of that. But um, up. but um, one would assume maybe you know they had a they had a home planet or something like that. I suppose, but. This was a great costume. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the fact that they were in a Christmas episode, it was a little bit lighter. You know, it was a little lighthearted the way it was done, a little bit comedic, but but I think they could have been um, a really frightening villain, you know, a, a frightening monster. And I think um, had they been used again in a different way, uh, in a more serious way, I think I think they would have been a really, really successful, and they were successful, but I would have just loved to see them again.
2: Yeah really good trade monsters in any sci-fi show i suppose you could say and yet Mm. we get a lot of those i I feel with particularly russell t davis doctor who with with characters that i wouldn't say they're thrown away but they're characters that are used in service of their story and, and sometimes we never see them again and yet there are other lesser shows that would Make those characters recurring presences and really delve into their mythology and all the rest of it. But Russ T. Davies' Doctor Who just kept moving forward and forward and forward and forward. I think Stephen Moffat's did too, but yeah. to a lesser extent. I think Stephen Moffat was a bit more interested in the mechanics of storytelling mm. as opposed to. Oh, well, he, he
3: made it too people. complicated, didn't he? He made yeah. it too complicated. I'm um, also. I love the writing in this episode. I love um, when they got that guy into units and they was, he was saying, how do you know it's not Martians? And the the, um, the black general says, well, Martians look different. And he's like, he's trying oh, to yeah. get his ba- his bearings in, because he? like he's thinking, <laughs> wait a moment, they know aliens exist. You know, how comes I don't know? And, and I love Harriet so Jones showing
2: her thing. That was so clever the way they <laughs> anticipated, they anticipated yeah. the fact that older fans, because they knew they couldn't, yeah. that they knew that for this story, for this script to work at its best, that that transmission had to come from mars because the yep. mars probe i think the mars probe had not long been launched so it had to be kind of topical like that but mm. within the doctor who universe we have martians they're called ice warriors mm. but to use the ice warriors in this probably wouldn't have worked and so no. just that one line all those fans out there were going but 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 the ice yeah, warriors yeah. come from mars but 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 just yeah. that one line russell dismisses that mm. And you can get on with enjoying the action and still be satisfied as a sad a sad fanboy that the series mythology hasn't been messed with, that characters exactly. haven't been forgotten. It's all been deepened. It's all been expanded. And we're all we're all on the same page with what is a really cracking adventure story.
0: It is. It's it it, is. it's it's superb, and I think it really it really is evidence of of the skill, you know, uh, of Russell T and and the. The ability, you know, to 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 make a program and to write stories that appeal to such a wide audience, uh, mm. and to you know, to bring families back around the telly, you know, together. And um, but as you said, Ian, I think um, every every era things change a little bit. You know, we're we're mm. in the era of much shorter, you know, watching habits. You know, we're watching things um, on phones. We're watching things, you know. Uh, on all manner of different devices we're what we're we're binging series now instead of just you know watching one a week and things like that so um obviously the the tone may have to change to go along with that but i think at the same time if it isn't it fans are going to know instantly if it doesn't feel like doctor who we're we're not going to watch it It, it's got to (laughs) feel like doctor who it's got to feel like Doctor Who. I mean, because yeah. that's why we're tuning in. That's yeah, why yeah. we're tuning in.
3: I mean. You're absolutely right. You
0: know. I
2: mm. want to talk for a couple of minutes about, uh, and will be Wilton in this as Harriet Jones. Uh, yes. Staff. Harriet Jones. Because for everything that we said <laughs> earlier on about about the new dynamic that exists between uh, and bringing back, uh, not Rose, and Mickey bring, and Jackie, bringing them mm. together with the new Doctor, creating that new dynamic. There was, effectively, the, after the absence of Christopher Eccleston, that, that presence that had, that had powered series one, there was a a vacuum at the heart of this episode that needed to be filled that I don't believe that David Tennant could fill alone, particularly when he, he's flat on his back for half the episode. And for me, that is made up with the presence of, uh, of not just Harriet Jones, but... Uh, Consummate actress, like Penelope from, from Wilson from the previous oh, series. The so yeah. character is so evolved from when we last saw her, mm-hmm. and yet absolutely the same person. It's. I think. Yeah. I think it was only when I watched it this time. I've seen this episode a lot over the last fifteen years, but watching it this time, I had a complete new, a completely new appreciation for for Penelope's choices. In this it was I mean, the script is strong which obviously helps but what she does with it how how she plays the comedy i mean that line about oh do we know where the royal family are oh they're on the roof <laughs> that could have yeah. been you know it could have been one of those lines she does you know it's not turned into a big laugh you no know, she yeah. believes it the conviction in her face saying those lines that is as convincing as every other moment you know when she makes mm-hmm. that that sort of plea if anybody knows where the doctor is doctor she is
0: need. she is incredibly you know she she's totally believable as 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 a prime minister and and it's totally believable that that her her character in um eccleston series would naturally follow on and obviously there's a little hint at that you know mm. before we get to this but um but she fits into that role so well, and she's, she just, as you said, Dan, she sort of fills that, that gap, you know, um, and she, they're just a, the whole lot of them are just the most wonderful ensemble together, and it, it was, it just felt like the band was back together, even though there was some, you know, that the doctor was different, but the band was back together, and I think that's what, that's what felt good about that.
2: I think she uh, she brings the balance and she's absolutely essential, integral to the success of this episode.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, she's just as credible yeah. as Boris. <laughs> Bo- Boris, I guess. You know what I mean?
1: So <laughs> yeah, you, know, um, oh, you, you
2: know, that's, that's, that's not going there. <laughs> no, but you know, as, as I it, said, does, it does. all build up Ian, to this moment, doesn't it? You mentioned it earlier on. You know, the mm. fact that, that when the Doctor does enter, and I think, I, I don't know about about you, Wenda, you mentioned it earlier on, the euphoria that we feel watching this. At certain mm-hmm. moments, Russell manages to tap into something where you can't help but well up. And this was absolutely one of those for me. When Rose, it's in the dialogue, and the way that Billy Piper plays that, when she starts to put the pieces together about how the translation is working and mm. and we are ever so slightly ahead of what she's going to say and the fact that the doctor has woken up and by the time those double doors open and the tenth doctor david tennant is stood there in the middle or he may as well have a halo above his head at that time i must admit there was there was a lump in my throat it that is it's moment. it's
0: it's what all of us you know is what you feel it's like okay there's the doctor you know he he was as a he was so incapacitated for most of the episode when you finally see him as the doctor and that, and they let that lovely lead in scene where all of a sudden you can start hearing the Sycorax speaking English and it takes a second and then they realize, Oh my God, that must mean, and then the doors open and out he comes, you know? So it's, it was a great introduction. Um, and it was, it was a, uh, just a fantastic moment uh, and it does it does still um make me well up when i see it but what really affected me more so than that more so than the actual episode itself was the feeling of watching doctor who again every time i watch that's you know one of these episodes, episodes well. it that's the part that got to me that that's that's what really kind of welled up inside of me. And it was, this it was is this what we've been incredible. Missing,
2: particularly after six weeks of yeah. flux, for those who've had to suffer through that, this is what we've been missing. This is how Doctor Who is meant to make us feel.
0: <laughs> exactly. And and it was, it was like, it, it was just like opening the floodgates, you know, it, it was, and every, every once in a while. And it's one of the reasons why I haven't been able to go back and watch quite a bit of, of um, New Who really, um, lately. Well, I mean... it, because i just get too emotional not because of the storylines but because i have i have just seen too much uh, and and seen some of the some of the the damage that's been done and i and i suppose it's just it's just missing what feels like doctor who to us you know um and it feels like you know he's been gone he's been yeah, gone and it, it and so. it just felt like
3: but that's if you accept this version as um, Doctor Who, and I, I don't. And it doesn't spoil yeah. my enjoyment of watching old classic or, or new.
0: Yeah, doesn't it doesn't it, really you know... spoil it, but it's just a question of, I have to be mentally in the right frame of mind to watch it. And I can I watch, I watch it a, I'll watch a couple, but I do mm. find that I start getting very, very emotional missing it. And then I really? have to sort of take a little break again. Yeah, I feel it's that strongly time, about but... it.
2: So by the time that the doctor starts swinging his uh, his blade around, clashing <laughs> with the Sycorax leader, yeah. first in the Sycorax ship itself, then then out onto the hull of the ship, against the backdrop of a London sky, you <laughs> know, you see the. It's River good. Temus it's good to note.
3: You. Yeah, it's good to note that when the ship appears. Yeah. It highlights all the landmarks in London, doesn't <laughs> <Brave>, <laughs>
1: it? Yeah, it, everything. The pineapple,
2: the big pineapple that we <laughs> no, see get yeah. destroyed. That had long yeah. been built had it at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It Let goes from it Winston Signal. Churchill,
3: it goes, yeah. I, it goes to the Eye, it goes to the was it Bridge, London Bridge. It goes it goes right across. Yeah. It, it didn't go through Brixton or Battersea, <laughs> <I mean>,
2: Wandsworth, <laughs> it went through all the landmarks, there you go. <laughs> Shouldn't be the scene where Ian David Diaz was yes, peering sure. out of his kitchen window <laughs> as the <Yeah>. Super <laughs> Axel Russell was was passing over. Yeah, I do see what you mean. But I, su- I suppose it's kind of like the Independence Day yeah, exactly. way of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, of, li- of raising stakes isn't it you know you see all, all these different uh all the different landmarks, landmarks or, yeah. or whatever it's the same stretching back through a lot of lot of science Ooh. fiction over the decades and, I, and this is what i like about what russell t davis did with the show it's like it was sort of like all swagger if you behave like you're the biggest show on tv and these are the biggest most important important stories that the biggest show can tell that people mm. will get on board with that and even though this sword fight is like typical kind of low-level uh, so, Errol Flynn uh, daring do we all know what we uh, think we know we think we know what's going to happen don't we because they've, we've got all the lions we've got the clashing of the steel we've got the gnarling of the teeth we've got we've got the women looking on all worried and, and poor Mickey looks like he's about to he's touching cloth am I gonna have to step in as his wingman <laughs> if he goes down it's it's the kind of it's the simplest and silliest of tension but yeah they they do with russell t davis being russell t davis he does take the story somewhere that you didn't see coming i i mean i remember at the time being so shocked that the sycorax leader cuts the doctor's hand off and even though again i've seen it dozens of times since when it happens i still like oh god you you couldn't have seen that coming we know he's gonna win but how is he gonna win i think that's the thing with this wendy
0: yeah yeah, it was definitely an unexpected uh, thing to have happen. Um, and <laughs> how it was dealt with was, was really clever because he was obviously losing that fight. He was, you know, he yeah. didn't have the craft, even though the doctor it's is being, supposedly... He's being
2: bested, Wendy, isn't he? He's being bested.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, and so it did, I, I think the thing is, Russell could have just had him call on the fact that he's already... You know, fought, he's fought the master with a sword. He's he's got to be adept at using a sword, right? So the fact that he didn't, and he, he seemed to be getting bested, and then his hand is is severed. The hand obviously came in later on mm. um, in the in yeah. the series, did didn't it? Ever.
2: Which we yeah. couldn't have possibly so, seen coming.
0: No, so I could what? see why that why that was crafted the way it was. Looking back now, at the time. It it really just shocks you, you know, but then of course you can see why that would be necessary. That shocked you? That shocked you.
3: His hand getting cough. His hand getting cough shocked you.
0: A little bit, yeah.
3: You know what shocked me? me. You know what shocked me? Doctor Who killing that alien. That's what shocked me. I was like, he just killed him with a tangerine. And nobody talks about that. Everybody's going no. about how oh, he yeah, Well, the, the I, I didn't
0: want to bad. talk about that. I mean, like, te- yeah, it was because he literally kills makes this that guy. choice. Yeah.
2: yeah, he makes that choice yeah. in a—he makes that choice in a split second, doesn't yes. he? That he's not going to be taken for a a chump he's, mm. yeah, in front in front of his friends, in front of What's the, the rest says, of the I Sycorax remember. people. I'm that No sort second of man. chances. Yeah. I'm that sort I'm that of a sort man. man. Yeah, I think it's the no second chances that's the most important. I love that was a good scene. A lot of people in the fandom latched onto that and debated it, that what? Mm. why does this Doctor feel that people don't deserve second chances uh, and, and that it was a definite, a, a premeditated decision, it, albeit in a split second. You know, we know that the Doctor can calculate however many calculations in his head at any given time, like way quicker than, than we can. So for him, it may have been all thought through to the nth degree. But I, th- I think you're right. I think when you see him toss that Satsuma at that button, <laughs> And you know, it's a brilliant moment. It's it's comically good, and the fact that David Tennant as the Doctor, he, his his stare doesn't doesn't waver at all. No. The, but then, the
0: then again, he is. How The, is stillness,
2: he? the stillness reminds grumpy, me of the Christopher Eccleston <laughs> Doctor. I think it is something that the that the Ninth Doctor would have done, and I think it's a way of them reminding people watching. And I, and I think they do it at various points, but quite sparingly. Yes, this is the same man particularly for the kids watching who who Mm. still don't really understand that this guy you know this hero has been swapped out this is the that's the kind of thing that the ninth doctor would
1: Mm. yeah Mm. i i i I
3: did like this episode and i I thought the the sword fight was rubbish everybody knows that i thought the sword fight was actually nonsense (laughs) but um
2: Uh, it it doesn't surprise me that you felt that but yeah it's again it's it's much know. of a muchness, I suppose, isn't it? And we you know,
0: know why it had to happen, because that hand had to sort of come into play further down. So it, it yeah, had I to did. sort of... We needed a scene where that Did he find be it? He found it, believable. obviously.
2: Captain Jack finds it, torture finds oh, it. Ah, right,
3: fine, they find it, yeah. But they never, found, they never found the alien. I wonder who took the alien, because he fell. He must have hit some street somewhere, probably Brixton he probably got um, you know what I mean he probably got all his clothes taken from him and stuff while he was dead he's not upon your your bloody roof is he Ian you better go and check (laughs) he might have thought he
0: was tough do you
3: know what I mean probably Torchwood probably took his body and studied it or something like that but but I'm saying I was shocked I was shocked he
2: killed him it may well get picked up on. So, if you're if you're mm. listening or watching out there, and you know that there's some Torchwood episode or some book or something where they picked up on what happened to the Sycorax leader's body, mm. let us know in the comments section. Get in touch with Type Forty and, and fill in the gaps in our knowledge. We need to know these things. The episode <laughs> ends with a, a beautiful scene between the the four regulars when 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 Jackie says to the doctor are you better you say, yeah i think i am yeah it's just all so nice it's a little bit scooby-doo but it's perfectly yes. okay but of course there is the situation that we've got with the harriet jones character and for everything that i've oh, said yeah. about her up, up to oh, now yeah. again harriet jones just like the doctor on the on the hull of the sickrack ship harriet oh. jones we see and this is how brilliant penelope wilton is the script is sparse she does it all the with the look in her eyes the way the the tremor in her lips how she makes that decision albeit not as speedily as the doctor makes the decision to end the sycorax leader she makes that decision to bring in uh heavy firepower to destroy the sycorax vessel even though it is retreating obviously there are and and to me this is when people talk about and i don't i won't go on about this about the current era uh, for too long but what i do want to underline is the difference that i've i'm often that i'm often tasked to to point to when people ask me about politics and doctor who mm. and don't you know there's always been politics in doctor who this politics isn't this this isn't political this was topical this mm. was done in reference a specific mm-hmm. reference to a to a very particular situation it was partly to do with at the time i think tony blair was still prime minister it was a few years obviously after 9 11 and there was the war in the in iraq that was going on there was a lot of feeling in the uk at that time that tony blair had become lapdog to george w bush who was president at the time that's also some of the dramatic strings of this story uh, so we've, we've got the fact that they're hearkening on that mm. but there's also a um i think it's it also speaks of an incident at the end of the Falklands War as well in 1981 where Margaret Thatcher made that call to sink the uh, the uh, Argentinian vessel, the Belgrano, mm. as that was retreating too. So I think it's a deliberate attempt to align with those two historical historical decisions at, at very particular moments in time, but in a topical way. I think it leaves us with a dramatic situation, Ian, and, and I wanted your opinion on this as a screenwriter. Because mm. I think in those moments, here's a character we have every sympathy for, Harriet Jones. We love this character. We've we've seen the growth of this character. Mm. And I, I think I, I feel that my... You mm. know, you can't but be sympathetic. You know why she's made this decision. Yeah, You may absolutely. not ag- agree that, that, with her. The, the you, question, you, yeah, the every, question every is... Every time I watch it, Ian, every time yeah. I watch this, Ian, I more this decision over in my head. And that is the difference between how Russell T Davis writes and how other people... For example, their initials may be C.C. <laughs> write, this, write this kind of material. <laughs> Russell T. Davis doesn't decide for us we, we, what the right decision was because he doesn't ultimately, he shows us a different side Which to Harriet Jones. Which is the
0: Jones. mark of good storytelling. You know, you, Question is, was she she right? He shows us, a, was he shows she us right? a strength
2: and a different side to Harriet Jones without telling us whether she was right or wrong. He leaves it up to us to decide, Ian. And what do you I, think? I think she was right so do i, so I think away. she was
0: actually right she said it she said you're not here all the time Yes, right and she she had no way of knowing that he was gonna swoop in at the end of all of this and it was and save the day so she i don't you,
1: ha- I, you, you know you, you can the, yeah yeah Go ahead, you so can
0: you know. can see you know she hasn't uh, um gained that position by being you know um weak in her decisions um, and she's either got to make, she's got to make a call um, and she's taking a gamble. Am I making the right call? Am I not making the right call? But I think what was interesting in this scene is that the doctor clearly, you know, disagrees with her her choice um, and then proceeds to take her down. Um, but he's, he's reserved the right for himself to kill an alien. That's right. But he's not hes not affording her that right to defend the earth. So it's an interesting scene. And it's a, a you know, you you want to, you're, you're already sort of with the doctor. So there's a part of you at the time when you're first watching it, at least for me, where I was kind of with the doctor there. I thought, oh, yeah. I was
2: never with the and doctor. When
0: I, I was initially. And then when I thought <laughs> I about was, it.
2: I, I was originally two years ago.
0: Yeah. And when I thought about it, I thought, well, wait a second. What if you're in that situation? You know, he's not gonna be there. You haven't got a hotline number to beam him in whenever you have a problem. But, but you know, also so you can you,
3: see it it pained her when she made that decision. You can see it. in her yeah, face from the performance yeah, right. of that actress. You can see it pained her to do that. And for the doctor yeah. to come up and pass judgment on a human being, which which as she says quite rightly, you're not here all the time. So what yeah. do you expect us to do? Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, yeah. don't don't. The doctor has no right to judge any human being on the planet. Yet he did when he was, um, when he was, uh, what do you call it, um, the first uh, uh, Chris Eccleston. He did it all the time, and Rose had to put him in his place and say, "Look, do you know what I mean?" Yeah, you can't keep calling us monkeys. You can't keep, you know. What I mean, it's stupid. I, I
2: certainly understand her decision, particularly in light of the of the office that she held. And and yeah, I yeah. do. I'm more inclined to believe that she was right. I, I appreciate everything that the doctor was saying, and I like the fact. And, and in a sense, the doctor, you know, he's there on her shoulder. That's that scene is framed like that deliberately. Mm. He's the mm. he's the kind of the angel on her shoulder, really. And the the, uh, the other guy representing the office that she holds. Is there on, on the other shoulder you know who she views as her uh, peers and the people that she's been elected to, to serve she makes that decision on behalf of the people for the people and uh yeah I, I i think there are people who've held those kind of offices who have been in those sort of situations and made I those they wouldn't
0: yeah i mean those i wouldn't sort of want
2: to decisions
0: yeah i wouldn't want to have to make you know that kind of a decision and but i think well, based on the fact that she's she's got to be there and defend the earth and now that she now that it's out there mm. that the earth is vulnerable to alien races with far superior technology um she's you know what choice has she got you know i i um yeah it was yep. a, it was a powerful scene really good well done
3: far, but it was a good scene
0: <laughs> i i liked that. I, I thought it was a fantastic scene because i especially mm. to end off the episode with because it everybody's yay you know happy days mm. tra and then all of a sudden bang you know we get this this dramatic I shock suppose at the we, end
2: we're used to doctor who at its best sort of being that that cocktail of uh, of the darkness and the mm. heartbreak
4: mm. humor
2: fun yeah sweeping yep. adventure and romance. But this episode, I think more than more than a lot, it's probably one of the reasons why people still talk about it with so much fondness and mm-hmm. admiration is how this episode balances mm. it so, so well. I think it's right right on the tipping point. And to do it, and to do it on Christmas Day as well, <laughs> you know, it's very, very confident. I think it represents too, the things that had worked well about series one you know when series one was commissioned Russell t mm-hmm. davis did treat it as the fact okay this might be the only chance he ever gets to write doctor Who. in fact this might be the last chance that anybody ever gets to write doctor Who. so in those 13 episodes he tried to deliver something that was really literate and complete but here he gets to sort of go back to the show and to almost reset the table so so we get similar comic touches you're quite right in about the christmas tree it's a very similar comic touch to the burping mm-hmm. bin but but here I think Russell C. Davis refines all that. He evens the tone all out, just as he ref- refines those characters, those four principal characters of the Doctor, Rose, Mickey and Jackie, to take them through the rest of his time on the show, the remaining three seasons. To I, tell do, I story, do like them. Mm. To tell a story that is more open. I don't think he knew, Ian, where it would all go and where, these all, where all of those characters would rest three seasons later, but I think he knew what he wanted to do with the show. I think mm. he knew the kind of stories he wanted to tell and I think he'd realized where Series 1 had worked and where it hadn't. Even if the audience had, hadn't had noticed any of that, you know yourself right, writing scripts, you can see the nuts and bolts in your scripts in, in a way that other people are never going to. And I think that Russell fun. probably saw that in his own scripts. <laughs> in mm. his own scripts <laughs> and his own format with this I, th- I think it's a fantastic episode, and uh, yeah, when we uh, when we come back in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk. We're going to decide how we're going to rate it, but for uh, just for a couple of minutes, we're going to hit hit the uh, hit the vortex again over to Facebook and to YouTube and all the people, our companions out there, who've been listening and watching along whilst we've been talking and reviewing the episode, and to see what memories we've stirred in them. Have we got it right? Have we got it all wrong? Got it wrong. See what else, <laughs> Wrong see else. Uh, so what memories have we stirred <laughs> with our companions out there on YouTube and Facebook about this episode, Carol Jude. Hiya, Carol. She says, I watch The Christmas Invasion every time I finish watching a season. It helps with the crying. <laughs> is no
0: yeah, I know what you mean.
2: <laughs> I th- uh, again, it's that what how you are saying, Wendy. That this version of Doctor Who taps into that somewhere somehow. Yeah. Yep. Doctor Who, some...
3: it's real Doctor Who. That's why people <laughs> yeah. are crying
2: because we have he... to suffer the bad Doctor Who, don't we?
1: So mm.
0: yes, as uh-huh. um, to cross the streams a little bit, uh, as Mark Leonard says in an mm. episode of classic Star Trek, he is a sorcerer. That one, mm. and that is Russell. He is a sorcerer. He's he manages to. You know, to really sort of cast a spell on us when we're watching it, and it and it, you just you hate to see it finish, you hate to see it go. Yeah.
2: The classic eighties fanboy, it's Carl, said that to be honest, I never knew that David Tennant was a Scot. That accent is very good, isn't he?
3: It's very good, and they should never have introduced accents into this show because look at the abomination grit. we got
2: <laughs> going forward. <laughs> Mr. Hyde is watching along here from the script doctors over on YouTube and says, as they say in Hollywood, talking about David Tennant, the camera mm. loves him.
3: Yep, they're getting yep. married soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dean <Job. laughs> says
2: that I don't think actors these days have the same gravitas and charisma needed. but I think he means that some of the old, some of the old, more classic Hollywood stars of mm. years gone by. Yep, it's true. Oh, it's mm. true. Yeah. Uh, Java Bean also says that, I'm with you Ian Russell-, Russell T Davis was a fantastic producer stroke showrunner but his episodes were my least favourite
3: yeah there were some really good ones but you know he, he he did his best and he's a good writer he really is a good writer but I think he took the kids thing too seriously in most of what he, re- he wrote as I, as I said it was always obvious to me that we were the fans and we were in our 40s, 30s you know but he obviously was aiming for the kids. He got some,
2: <laughs> <Is that laughs> at least. Adds so though that uh, Russell T. Davies made who for everyone. We did. Mm-hmm. did. Andy Lane, the blue bonnet Hoovian. She says I saw David Tennant in Fright Night before oh, I saw him. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really good. Yeah, I yeah, like Fright
3: Night as well. He was he <laughs> was the Doctor when he when he made that anyway. So it makes me wonder how blue, when Blue Hoovian got into Doctor Who. Really?
2: Or did, I think we should bring Gandhi not... back on the yeah, show and ask Yay. him these important questions. Lots of people talking. Bring out Do it. Buffy here. We're talking about <laughs> Do Buffy it. in the chat. <laughs> uh, who? What else? Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, tenant bought extra passion of a, uh, a lifetime as a fanboy. Says mm. the retro doc. That's Gary Akers also watching did. on YouTube. Gary, how you doing, mate? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can definitely you can definitely see that in his performance too. Can you? Mm. Disaster area adds again. He managed to get new fans and keep old fans happy. That's and right. He became it became the most popular that it had, it had ever been worldwide. Mm. Uh, Daniel Leach says, "I was a complete newbie to David Tennant when he was cast. I had never seen him in anything until the Christmas Invasion aired."
4: Mm.
2: I don't think I don't think he was alone at all. I think many many people had the same sort of experience. Mm. Uh, again we've got blue bonnet says i think uh, i think why i love tenant wasn't how he looked but it was that glee he took in discovering worlds and getting into trouble with a very childlike exuberance
3: hmm yeah yeah well i think you're Absolutely. right
2: there mm. yes uh jamie knight is watching on youtube too and reminds us of a of an old joke now and uh, one <laughs> that i can't repeat i'm afraid <laughs> 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 uh what else who else is here lots of comments thank you for all these comments and all your memories and all these lines that people like there was some great dialogue in this episode mr hyde reminds us of the of the line spoken yeah. by jackie <laughs> i'm gonna yeah. get killed by a christmas tree i think Jackie gets most of the best lines in this episode
0: oh, jackie is brilliant
2: she is, that, her
0: the is really good the well, they is, her Kel- yeah They should have given her a
2: Maybe, maybe. We've got Kelly here who says that one of my unpopular opinions is that I think that Rose was better with the ninth Doctor than with the tenth. What do you think about that, Wendy?
0: I I think she was great with with uh Chris Eccleston and I I liked the dynamic between the two of them there. It was very believable. Um so yeah, I I get that. I think I'd agree. I'd agree. I think I think
3: both she was good with both of them, in my opinion.
0: She was excellent, but I, I'm mm. just thinking in terms of of where the direction of, of the relationship went, right, was was more, um, uh, aimed at a certain, you know, demographic perhaps, but, and which I did enjoy, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I did enjoy it. I did. I did have great fun watching Tennant and, um, and Rose, you know, Mm. going through their episodes. But I think looking back now on it, I Mm. definitely would say she was, I enjoyed her her performance perhaps a little more
2: with with chris i think i I still associate her more with chris's doctor i don't know maybe it's because i haven't watched these episodes though for quite a while robert payne says that i was pleasantly surprised by david Tennant's acting i don't wonder what you were expecting robert had you seen him in other things and not been not been particularly particularly impressed daniel leach says jackie is cool and Mm. uh, we've got the sanctuary of geeks who says that I just never understand the appeal of this era, especially David Tennant. It's just sex appeal, really, style and no substance. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, Sanctuary of Geeks, but I think you're you're wrong, my friend. (laughs) I think you're massively wrong. (laughs) Uh, Love it. We've got more comments. Uh, We've got The Legend of the Travelling TARDIS. It says and in the end, talking about Harriet Jones, she still believes that she did right. And did everything that she could to protect the planet. Talking about the, that decision, I agree. Well, using yeah, that, a few. Totally that was her agree. job.
0: That was her job. Yeah. Totally
2: you know. agree. Yeah, it's totally. A great scene, says Daniel Leach. Mm, bad special same, effects. Same, same <laughs> great scene. <laughs> bad visual effects.
3: That <laughs> nah, was all right. It was. Robert
2: Payne reminds us that uh, it reminds us that the Doctor is not human. Yep. He treats humanity as lower than him sometimes he does he
3: does mm-hmm. he does and mm-hmm. i think that's that's I definitely hitting a nail on the head there that's why i like the way um russell t wrote the doctor i didn't kind of like the way um uh, it, it kind of developed but you know it was good that he was very alien towards us but yeah
0: yeah eccleston was more alien in that regard wasn't he he, he had a more um Intense he had a well, he didn't have more or less or whatever. I mean, they were both fantastic, I think, and I enjoyed both of them. But Eccleston definitely had more of that that sort well, of distance.
3: Well, yeah, Eccleston, Eccleston had that thing that he was really hard on the human race, especially the things he said. But we can understand mm-hmm. that now because he, he was yeah, he was um he came out of the war and basically he's been traumatized yeah. and he and, and that's the reason why he was like that. Um, I guess that carried on through to the David Tennant david tennant era people seem Mm -hmm. to forget that he was traumatized when the doctor came back he was traumatized by the the war with the daleks and how his planet is gone and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so humans kind of made it was kind of therapy for him i guess when he teams up with a human so there you go Mm -hmm.
2: terrific comments here in the in the chat comments and memories i think most people yeah i think appreciate the fact that we as as an audience for this show Mm -hmm weren't being talked down to mm. and that uh, you know it's real drama played played out by superb actors i mean uh, kelly reminded us in the chat that Nellie wilton is not a dame for nothing this is this is somebody who <laughs> has decades mm-hmm. decades of a career behind a problem being reminds us that uh, he, he gave him a choice the doctor has killed many aliens again the, the doctor's also several lots of double standards coming from the doctor throughout the throughout the decades i, love I would say he's charming... only human
3: but he's not carol jude <laughs> <Carol laughs> says good.
2: that i love his charming snottiness. Mm. <laughs> great yeah. stuff keep keep the comments coming we'll be sure to check in with you all again in a short while but uh, yeah we're heading back to the uh, to the main channel now and uh, yeah moving through to our final thoughts and final score yes the the christmas invasion is absolutely definitely a modern classic we're going to uh, shoot off into a parallel dimension now it's uh, filled with unmissable geeky talk and amazing analysis courtesy of our friends on all the other shows across the fandom podcast network so here's a few words about all of that then meet wendy and ian and myself back here with our scores for this classic adventure stay tuned
4: thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying this podcast we'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the fandom podcast network it starts with our flagship show culture clash discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture Blood of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie and TV pop culture topics. Good Evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. Also check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with hosts Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows. The Fandom Show, our monthly Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom, and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast, discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. The Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at fandompodcastnetwork and on Twitter at fanpodnetwork. Thank you for listening and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.
2: Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, but we can even clothe you too. There's merch to match all of those shows including type 40 if you head over to the Tpublic.com store search for the fandom podcast network and you'll find a store full of all the team colors for all of those shows on everything from t-shirts to phone cases and mugs and tapestries treat yourself treat your other selves and it all goes to support the fandom podcast network into the bargain yes we're back here on type 40 talking about the christmas invasion christmas 2005 everybody doctor who was back (sighs) and all of a sudden it all made sense and everybody was talking about it amidst the (laughs) pencil and all of the trimming so just a reminder of how huge doctor who used to be it made the front cover of the christmas radio (laughs) times now
0: oh don't make me cry dan
2: (laughs) (laughs) Christmas Radio Times is a UK tradition. It still sort of limps on today, really. but back in 2005, for Doctor (laughs) Who to go from a show that hadn't been on television for over 10 years to being on the front cover of the Radio Times was absolutely huge because single TV shows didn't usually do that. It was usually a generic picture that they would put on the front of the Radio Times, like a great big fat happy Santa with some presents maybe. Or, i don't know rudolph the red-nosed reindeer or some elves or whatever they hadn't done an actual show specific cover since east in 19 yeah 1986 that's the best part of 20 years there was doctor who on the front cover of the radio times i couldn't mm. believe my eyes and it was still a reasonable cover price then <laughs> overnight yeah. ratings for the christmas invasion at its peak were an astonishing 9.84 million back back in 2014 radio times voted the christmas invasion as the greatest of all the doctor who christmas specials it got over a quarter of the votes 25.4 percent extraordinary this episode remains incredibly popular with doctor who fans and talked about too by the people who were the more casual viewers who grew up watching david tennant obviously and have stayed with the show ever since my question to you guys on the panel has to be as always though a simple clean vote out of five how many severed doctor's hands out of five would you give this one here mm, um uh,
3: uh, three Ooh. three i reckon i give it a three hey. that's not a bad
2: score let's face it explain yourself sir i think that's lower <laughs> than i thought that's lower five than I is thought that five would... right he's not happy he's not happy three's not bad it's not bad. That was just yeah, the halfway mark. Exactly. So, so where do you think it could have been bettered? Or is it just the passage of time that's sort of...
3: No, I, I, I just think, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's. you know, it's for me, it's down to the writing. <laughs> I thought okay. the Doctor shouldn't have been flat on his back at all. I thought we should have got more David Tennant in it. I didn't like the Christmas tree thing because it reminded me of the eating bins, which I don't like at all. You know, and uh, there are a couple of things in there that I didn't like. But, you know, overall, I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm not going to give mm-hmm. it a five because it's not perfect. At all. In fact, when you look at the, my favourite one of all all times, and Dan knows this, the 11th hour, they didn't do that with a the doctor. They introduced a new doctor, new characters, and it freaking worked. So yeah. it could have been done. So, but anyway, yeah. I think a three is a good good mark for this one. In my yeah,
0: opinion. yeah. That's, That's a not, really good point, Ian, about two. Uh,
2: not two, uh, mean. How about you, Wendy? How many seven Doctor's Hands out of five <laughs> do you give the Christmas Invasion all these years on?
0: I'm going to give it a, a solid four. Because it it it's just a feel good episode. I enjoyed it. I just mm. enjoyed it. Um, I just came away feeling like you know the Doctor was was back with us. It just it just Deliberate. felt like Christmas. It just delivered. Right. It felt like a Christmas, it was Christmas. episode. All the yeah, yeah, it did. It just felt like a Christmas episode of Doctor Who should be.
3: We don't get them anymore. So there you go. I what know. I like about
2: this is. Uh, it rewards repeated viewings in a way that I think a lot mm. a lot of Russell T Davis doctor who does and you know the classic doctor who does what you get this time I think I said earlier on I haven't watched it again for a few years now I, I noticed different things in the characterization mm. I was impressed by the uh, <laughs> confidence of it by the pace of it by how it's kind of what you said earlier on Wendy this reminded me why i love doctor who more than i think anything i've watched in the last 12 months and i've watched Hmm. some really new stuff and i've watched some old stuff too but i think this episode is really special i love how it starts off small between the doctor and rose and the Mm -hmm. fact that she feels that she's lost him lost her best friend and lost her way lost her lost her view on what she felt her future was going to be. I think that really, really works. But the way that it expands into that, as I described earlier on, it's like the, mm-hmm. a small scale blockbuster with some great lines, brilliant characters, and, uh, and power, power to the story too. And yeah. it's all done in an hour. We now live in an age where the, the few remaining studios that exist in Hollywood are filling the multiplexes with movies that are telling stories over increasingly bloated runtimes uh, stories where the stakes are no bigger than this and yet they're taking 3 hours to do so russell t davis delivers all of that and more in 58 minutes this is an incredible piece of tv it's an easy 5 out of 5 from me i absolutely adore it and I'm, I, I i can't wait to watch it again really it's certainly it's certainly made me want to watch more tenant stuff to get to get Nostalgic, I suppose, for the Russell T Davies era, and it can't help but it can't help but make me feel that bit more secure too, and that bit more not say vindicated. I can't be vindicated because it hasn't happened yet, but I have faith in what Russell T Davies can bring to the show from 2023 onwards. And having watched this, been reminded of how he understands this show, how he anticipates the wants of the of the viewing public, I am really really excited to see what's going to happen when he reinvents the show next and i just if it if it puts half the size of a smile on my face that the christmas invasion did when i watched it this time then i'm going to come away a very happy punter
3: so the majority of fans would be happy if that happened i think
2: so Mm, So yeah doctor the christmas invasion is uh, still available obviously as part of the various releases of DVDs and Blu-rays the series two box sets that have come out I think it's not long come out as a steel book I'm pretty sure that's still available but mm. the DVD is certainly out there on the by the regular through the regular retailers Is it on Blu-ray? Or, or second hand? It is out on Blu-ray in yeah, in a, a steel book right. which okay. I know some of those are in limited numbers but it is out there upscaled because obviously this was made in standard definition and not high definition mm. but it is out there. It's also streaming at the moment on the BBC iPlayer. In the uk along with the rest of series two and over on hbo max in north america but you will have to check your own streaming services in the other territories because i just don't know what's going on over in all of them but yeah hbo max in america and over here on the iPlayer, you can't go far wrong you can find that pretty easily it's also been not long ago it was part of that initial wave of brand new doctor who target novels novelized by jenny t colgan and read by Camille Cadori herself as an audiobook. That's also available to buy. I understand that that's um, an enhanced book. Jenny was given license by the original writer of the script, Russell T. Davis, to uh, to add, infuse it with other ideas and to bring in the the various minisodes and things that happened in the margins of that and just have fun with it, be expansive in the way that the best of the target novels always used to be. I've not read that one myself, but I I certainly am going to give uh, it a look thank you to everybody who's been watching and listening along to our conversation about all of this we're going to check back over right to the other end of the vortex and see what they're saying on YouTube and Facebook ah okay let's see what's going on let's see what people have got to say uh Pete Harrington says we even get snow even though it's the breakup of a spaceship in the atmosphere a little dark they do this in some of the earliest christmas specials they give mm-hmm. us those trappings they give us the snow and there's always some sort of warped or dark ex- explanation as to why it's not as christmas as it looks i would forgotten about that too wendy mm. that's an interesting
0: point actually yeah because it also brings us back around to that moment when he gets in fury you know furiously angry with with harriet jones um and it's it sort of you know, Rose comes down, She's like, "It's snowing," and he's like, "Not really," you know. And then it, it sort of brings mm-hmm. her back to reality. Um, mm. That no, it's it's bits of that spaceship that you're seeing, and and it's it's ash, you know. So it does. It it brings that little point back around again. Like there there has been something really dark that just happened. Yeah. You know. Mm. But we have, you know, we've forgotten about it for a moment. Yeah. Sounds
2: like. He comments here, Ian. This one's for you. Mm. I think Mega Geek forgets that it was uh, first time mainstream audience had had to deal with the regeneration. Eleventh mm. hour, eleventh hour, hours hour. had to be quick, mm. as everyone knew what to expect. Do you see what? Monster no, does? not really.
3: I, I disagree. I mean, you know, as I said, the majority of people that were watching Doctor Who around about that time was us. Basically, we knew what Doctor Who was all about. Yes, there were some new people, but we we basically outnumbered them. Um, so it was us so anyway doesn't matter we have to agree to disagree there Mm -hmm. and I respect your I respect your uh, opinion so thank you very much Uh,
2: Gary Akers says Ian you're a man of taste and breeding the 11th hour is my favourite New Who episode as well
3: to you Gary
2: (laughs) to you mate (laughs)
3: Uh,
2: it's the viewer but don't worry the doctor is still here says says Peter Harrington yes That's very uh, very cryptic. I can't quite work that one out. Maybe she's getting too late for me.
0: I think perhaps he means when you know you see the doctor come back, you you see you know Tenant really becomes the doctor again. Um, mm. In other words, you know we're we're the we're Rose we're all of them seeing him come back for the first time. You know, I, I remember
3: um, right. Um, sorry, uh, Wendy. Ahead, I remember when. Um, this was coming out, and I refused to look at anything about David Tennant because I knew he was coming. I didn't want to see any pictures. Anyone that told me somewhere, I stick my uh, fingers in my ears. I did not want to yeah. know what costume he was going to wear. And then, right yeah. at the very end of this Absolutely. thing, and he comes back with a suit. I thought they got it right. They yes. They yeah. got it right for so this you, guy. You didn't see costume. a single.
2: You didn't see nope. a single picture before it was revealed.
3: Nope. A lot of people was trying to show me. I was like, "Get that thing away from me!" And uh, when when David Tennant came out. In that costume i thought yep they literally got it right for that man definitely got it right it's a wonderful and, and, yeah, scene isn't it it is yeah it's a great it scene. is yeah
0: it yeah. is and i, I love, love the little the touches uh, i love the little touches in that picture you know you can see all the bits from some of the other doctors and his yeah. close-ups when he's in the dress you know he's in in front of the mirror and you can see the bit of tom's scarf there and mm. you know there was just some lovely little homages there and i love the the size of this set
2: waistcoat the six doctors waistcoat is in there as well yes they are authentic some of them are authentic doctor who costumes and what i love about it and i didn't see it for a little while either is the fact that the doctor chooses an outfit what Mm. with the suit itself and and the trainers yeah and then the overcoat he chose an outfit that was as close to the pajamas and dressing gown over the top that he could possibly get away with out mm. in the elements and roaming around. I thought it was just just delightful. David Teller yeah. plays it so beautifully. And it's backed by that, that beautiful song, that Murray Gold song, song for 10, isn't it? That I think was specially composed, features mm. on the soundtrack album. I know that that's a starry-eyed girl Sarah Graham, that's a big favourite of hers. Just delightful stuff, so evocative, and sets the Doctor off on, on another new life with another new face. Uh, we have more comments here from Sam, uh, sad really, this story made, Doctor Who, the big Christmas programme, just like Morecambe and Wires, just like Only Fools and the Horses, and now mm-hmm. they've given that away, well one person has given that away, mm. let's hope that we can take that back, all of Indeed. us together, with Russell T Davies leading Bring the charge because he's he loves christmas problem being steps in with the practicalities and says converse aren't practical for running. They slip No, on they're not. yeah. <laughs> so, so to me as well. Oh, not uh, good for the
3: hit, for, for the, uh, for the feet either. It really hurts when you're running. But anyway, we,
2: we, well. we have not just fashion advice, but further reading here from Carol Jude says there is a great article online that goes into detail about the costuming process. Really mm. interesting with great photos. Well, the, the look of the 10th doctor was directly inspired by Jamie Oliver. The, uh, tv chef i suppose that, that's what you'd call him he's sort of a tv chef mm. at the time he was a guest on the parkinson show alongside billy piper she was another guest on the same show and jamie oliver turned up wearing a suit and trainers and of course rusty davis and everybody else they were watching and they looked at us, ah, 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 ah so jamie oliver is directly responsible wendy for the look of the 10th doctor
0: what
3: about what about um, uh, Phil Collins? Phil Collins did that way before. Jane yes, I, I
0: have it. to admit, I'm oh, more is. of a I'm more in a Phil Collins generation. So yeah, yeah. I'll give the I'm, I'm with Ian on that one. <laughs> um, I just oh, have God. to say, yeah, you're, you're that, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Phil yeah. Collins. I
2: have no idea who you're talking about. I'm way too young. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. um,
0: <laughs> can I just say, I saw a wonderful comment that that Daniel uh, put in, and yeah. and I just love that. That really sums it up. I miss the oh, doctor.
2: Really I'm oh, sorry, sorry, Wendy, you carry on. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I was. It just, you know, I miss the doctor, and I hope RTD can find him. I yeah. just think that's that really eloquently sums it up. Yeah. And, I, and that's exactly I, how I feel. Too. I miss yeah. him. Um, please find him again. RTD, I miss
3: him. I miss yes, him. yes most
0: yes
2: mm. agree.
3: If you get what I mean a mm. bit, bit heavy and, on the uh,
2: air <laughs> whatever could you mean <laughs> exactly. moments from a great piece of Doctor Who history but that is the old girl starting up and calling time on episode 99 of type 40 a Doctor Who podcast I'll be back with another one soon and the more mathematically astute of you will, will have already realized that will make it episode 100 planning is well underway for something unique to Marcus Hitting triple digits so look out for that wherever you found this it could have been on the dedicated home feed for type 40 type 40.podbean.com or maybe we, we rolled up on the podcatcher of your choice for example Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher iHeartRadio TuneIn Google Play PodBay you name it we're on it we're also on YouTube that world's largest streaming platform here on the spacebook youtube channel or over on the fandom podcast network channel we're also on the fandom podcast networks own dedicated master feed which is loaded up with so many treats for your ears weekly in fact daily please consider a trip sideways in time for more of those quality shows from the fpn maybe you'd like to have your say (laughs) you can get in touch with us on our social medias instagram and twitter at type 40 doctor who or you can email us type 40 doctor who at gmail.com and if you're feeling really brave you can uh, connect with us in real time over at the type 40 Facebook group I have to be careful what I say about them when I'm streaming directly there like right now <laughs> but it's full of fans of all ages sharing their views about both the classic and new doctor who as well as speculating about the all new, about what's to come, swapping those crazy theories, even crazier than the stuff that's been making it into the papers these days. So head over to the Type 40 Facebook group to join in All that fun. Ian, where can people find you if they want to talk to you about Doctor Who, about your crazy ideas and all these sacrilegious things that you've been saying and swap (laughs) tips about movies and TV shows? Where can they find you on social media or YouTube? Uh,
3: So, YouTube is my uh, web series called Rebecca Gold. Just type in Rebecca Gold and you will find it, hopefully. I'm also on uh, Twitter at Ian David Diaz Mega Geek. You can uh, you can insult me there, I guess. <laughs> and <laughs> after this episode, <laughs> I've got some films on, on Rebecca Gold Channel. I've made movies. They're on there. So knock
2: yourself out. And how about you, Wendy? Where can people connect with you on social media or hear you or just get in touch?
0: Well, I do a um, Saturday night stream, live stream with uh, PJ Maybe and Jim the Viking called Let's Talk Geeky. Jim the Viking. Yep. yes Jim the Viking, Jim the Viking. Okay. um and we do that on uh Saturday nights and we just uh talk about anything that that sort of comes up uh geeky topics and then on Wednesdays uh on the same channel PJ maybe we do uh, a bit of a movie review uh and that's that's always a lot of fun and obviously um on your stream as well Dan
2: yes, yes, there'll be more of these doubtless as 2022 continues thank you wendy and thank you ian for your company i've really enjoyed re-watching this and yeah who knows what will uh, tumble out of the randomizer next but uh, in the meantime you can get in touch with me on twitter and instagram as the space book where i'm i'm tweeting and instering, uh, wheezing and groaning ranting and raving about all things geeky inside and outside of the TARDIS, so get in touch over there and you can, uh, yes see what I'm going on about. That wraps it up. I think, yes, we always have the time, if you have the space here at Type 40, but that is it for this time. We'll see you back here for episode 100 of Type (laughs) 40, a Doctor Who podcast, very, very soon.